What's up, everyone? We are back with the weekly daily fantasy football podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. We will be previewing week nine coming off a smoking hot week eight where we had a optimal lineup of 221 points. We had six wide receivers score 20 or more points. 10 of the top 30 plays for week eight, four of the top six. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, Joe the Brain Mats. Joe, do we feel like geniuses coming into this week? Um, no, because you and I <laughs> struggle to set the actual lineups that we need to win the money to get that. Well, actually, in fairness, Joe, I had a pretty good week. You did. You uh, I did. more than doubled my money that I put in, but the the Michael Carter swap that I told you about putting in Gainwell Ugh. is just devastating because I had four lineups that would have been juggernauts without that uh, miss, and and I did really well despite doing what I said, playing Cal Pitts in every lineup, which whoops, uh, <laughs> that did not work out so well, but. Uh, for week nine, uh, I really feel like we've gotten to the point where and we've been discussing this. You got to pick on bad defenses. You got to look at trends. And I'm going to start right off the bat with a quarterback that I feel like is pretty much a must play. It's Matthew Stafford. He's my high tier at 7,700 versus Tennessee. It's a week that I don't feel great about a lot of quarterbacks, so yeah. seeing Stafford at 7,700, it has me downright giddy. Uh, Stafford scored 18 or more in every game, 25 or more in five of eight, 26 or more in the last three. They are facing a Titans D that I know that we're beating the drum on this, Joe. But even after the Kansas City game two weeks ago, don't be fooled. Their secondary is trash. It's friggin' trash. They've given up 15 passing touchdowns on the year. The Jets torched this secondary. Carson Wentz threw three touchdowns last week against them. And Stafford's thrown at least two two touchdowns in all games but one. Three in three games and four in two. So you're getting as good of a passing quarterback as there is out there in a game against, I think, maybe other than Washington, the second worst secondary in the NFL and he's under 8K. And remember, this is a defense that gives up big plays. And we've seen that the Rams can do that. They got three wide receivers that can legit take just about any play to the house and Woods, Cup, and uh, what's the uh, rookie kid? Why am I forgetting his name? Because uh, they just cut Deshaun Jackson. But anyway. Oh, Van Jefferson? Van Jefferson. Thank you. I, I really do think Matthew Stafford is probably the safest play this week. And also the best at 7,700. Yeah. Um, I will definitely not discourage anyone from taking Matt Stafford any week because, <laughs> like you said, he's been fantastic. Um, this will come up later in one of my quarterback discussions. But basically, there are three guys who are consistently giving you, like, multiple touchdowns pretty much every week and hitting 300 yards more often than not. And one of the other guys is Tom Brady, who's not playing this week. So that's just all the more reason to love Matthew Stafford. That said, I do have a QB I like more than Matt Stafford. Well, technically two, because I would take Josh Allen over anyone this week, but that's the reason that Josh Allen's $8,200. But my high-end guy is Lamar Jackson, 7,300 versus Minnesota. 
Um, not counting Aaron Rodgers, who, if you haven't heard, which hopefully you have by now, if you're listening to this podcast, he's got the Rona. He's got the Rona, and uh, apparently he is unvaccinated because Idiot. he decided to use some homeopathy type deal. Thanks a lot. And, uh, apparently, Woodley. asked the league if that would count as being vaccinated, and they said no. Shocking. <laughs> so great job, Aaron Rodgers. But uh, not counting Rodgers because he is listed on DraftKings. Lamar Jackson is the fifth most expensive QB this week, but the only one who's scoring more points per game this year than him is Josh Allen and Tom Brady. But again, Brady is on a bye. So Allen's giving you 26 points per game. He's only had one game below 20 the entire season. He's only had a single game below 230 yards passing or below 50 yards rushing on the year. He's been incredible. And the, the wild thing is, the, like, the yards are there every week, like I just said. He's scoring points every week. But his touchdown numbers are pedestrian. <laughs> he has 10 passing scores and only two rushing touchdowns on the year. And the two rushing touchdowns came in the same game. In comparison, the two QBs who scored more than him per game, Brady's accounted for 26 total touchdowns <laughs> and Josh Allen 20. And again, he's at 12. So what I'm saying is he's, he's putting up numbers. <laughs> he's due for the touchdowns. You can't be, there's no way the guy's going to throw for 4,400 yards, which is one of, he's on pace for in a 16 game season or run for a thousand and only end up with like 25 touchdowns. The touchdowns are coming. And I think this is a pretty great week to bet on them happening because the Vikings just got lit up by Cooper rush. I was going to say, yeah, don't Tyler don't Murray, undersell that. Yeah. And First the, start. I know, and they looked good the couple weeks prior. They were playing like the Browns, the Panthers, not teams that were going to put up the passing yards against them. And, you know, obviously Kyler Murray's not the exact same QB as Lamar. He's, you know, better passer, not quite the same runner. But the most similar guy that the Vikings have faced, Kyler put up 38 week two against them. So I think this is a week I would bet on Lamar getting multiple touchdowns, giving you that normal yardage, and giving you 30-plus points. Yeah, you may have just changed like my lineups. I, I usually set them on like Tuesday, Wednesday. We do the podcast. I, you know, continue to do research, obviously. Uh, Lamar is going to be in a lineup or two now. I, I love all of that. Also, I, I think we're both huge on Marquise Brown, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, the middle tier, and you need to make sure he's playing, but it looks like he is. And that's Taysom Hill, 5,300 versus Atlanta. And it's, it's very easy why he's my mid tier play. It's the Falcons. I don't really need to say much more. My boys are just awful on defense again. <laughs> they can't stop anybody. The Saints are home. Hill runs. In his four starts last season, he averaged over 50 yards per game on the ground. He scored four rushing touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, he did play the Falcons twice last year, scored multiple touchdowns in both games, threw for – 230 yards or more in both games, Oof. no interceptions, completed over 70% of his passes. He's too cheap to not play in lineups. And much like Hurts, what I love about him, you don't have to stack him. He's one of those guys that he's going to do enough with the rushing and playing against an awful Atlanta secondary that you can play him. Now, if you want to, Deontay Harris, I know has a really good matchup uh, per fantasy focus. But I, I, I still probably would, if you can find other options that you like better, not be afraid to play him by himself. But, I mean, Taysom Hill, 
may not be the best thing for the Saints football team, but he's a great thing for your fantasy football lineups. Yeah, uh, not great for Alvin Kamara, at least no. based on what happened last yep. year. But, uh, yeah, the, the reason he's not great for him is because he takes a lot of those points. So, And like you said, this is the one team that we actually have real like data on him playing. So that makes me like it all the more. And they're I, not any better. I, I was hoping they would be, but they're no better on defense <laughs> than they were last year. Basically in the same spot they were last year. Which is not, not great. No, but uh, yeah, you, you, you just talked me into some Taysom Hill this week. Um, my mid-tier guy is Derek Carr at 5,900 against my New York Giants. He's Carson, your guy at this point. Which is bizarre because I've always been a Carr hater. And this year I'm kind of like, I, I might be in now, I guess. But uh, Carr is thrown for multiple scores in all but one game. He's gone over 300 yards in five of seven. As I alluded to earlier, the only two players matching or exceeding that type of consistency in both those stats are Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, and you're getting Carr at 5,900. That's not to say there's no risk here. Carr lost his best deep threat with Henry Ruggs' release today following an arrest for a DUI that resulted in the death of a young woman. So it's just terrible all around, obviously bigger than football and especially fantasy football. But obviously, yeah, that doesn't help Carr. And the Giants' defense, lo and behold, they have come alive and played the, their best two games the last two weeks. But so has, not counting the bye last week, Carr's coming off his best two games of the season and two of the best games of his career. Again, Ewing theory is in full effect, Joe. Yes. I, honestly, I think we're seeing John Gruden was over-controlling. Carr looks more comfortable. I, as I've detailed on the uh, – why am I blanking on our recap NFL with recap, Allen? Yeah. yeah. Last two games he's played, one game, highest yards per attempt of his career, the other game, highest completion percentage of his career. He's playing great without Gruden. He was playing well before that. And the other thing is the Giants were actually oddly kind of built to contain the Kansas City offense. We didn't get a lot of pressure on people, but we're happy to sit back there and too high, make you f- make plays underneath over and over again. And that's been the recipe for success against Kansas City. It is not the recipe for success against Derek Carr. He is happy to pick you apart down the field. What gets him is pressure, and the Giants are awful at that. Uh, I believe we might be dead last in pressure rate. If we're not dead last, we are awfully close. So if you're playing the Thursday game and you want to go Carson Wentz at the same price over him, I think that's fair. Wentz has got four or five straight games with multiple scores, and the Jets' defense is not very good. But if you're not playing the Thursday game and I'm looking at this mid-tier and I can get Derek Carr, who, again, majority of his games over 300 yards, multiple touchdowns all but one game. I like that at this price against my Giants. What was his price one more time? 5900 So we're going under 6000 I like that. Um, a pr- pretty good price there. So my low tier, again, just like with Taysom Hill, make sure he is going to play. Yes. But Tyrod <laughs> Taylor, 5000 at Miami. Again, he's not been officially cleared, but the signs are pointing that he could be back for the first time since week two. Just to remind people, the Texans were frisky the first two weeks with Taylor at quarterback. He scored 23 points in the only game that he completed and then scored 16 in the second game that he didn't make it through the third quarter. Uh, Miami is bad on defense, and that's probably an understatement when you're talking about particularly at quarterback, with the exception of week one quarterbacks have either thrown for 300 yards or two touchdowns 
in every game against Miami, and in a lot of those, both. Uh, even Jones in week one, Mac Jones, making his first career start as a rookie, threw for 280 yards and a score with no picks. So if Taylor plays, I love him. I love stacking him with Brandon Cooks. And, I mean, at 5,000, getting a quarterback that the Texans actually have still moved the ball okay with Davis Mills, and it's such an upgrade from Mills to Taylor. Uh, that would probably be my favorite play if he's cleared to go. Yeah, I, I'm all in on this one with you. I 5,000 is absurdly low. Disrespectful. For, yeah, I don't understand this price because – And fucking Taysom Hills more. <laughs> right, like – it only makes sense in a like he might not play kind of way, but if he you're not putting him in your lineup, if he you take him out if he's not playing, right? <laughs> so five like like looking at the QBs above him, it's like yeah, well, well, am I going to take Sam Darnold against the Patriots <laughs> over Tyrod? Absolutely fucking not. Trevor Lawrence against Buffalo, the I think the best defense in the NFL. Um, Justin Fields showed some life last week, but now he's facing TJ Watt in Pittsburgh. Oh, it's going to be bad. Why would Pittsburgh's I, why a good would I be paying for any of these? I agree. Matt Ryan, who nope. up until last week was playing <clears throat> pretty well. Uh, that defense that he's facing in New Orleans, uh, they're pretty good. In yeah. case no one noticed when they just. And without Ridley, it's a totally different offense. Even though he struggled, just yeah. not having him out there. You saw what happened last week. They're going to just blanket pits. So, yeah, give it – Tyrod, like you said, put up some really good points in the game and a half he played. I think Tim Kelly is an underrated offensive play caller. And, yeah, the Dolphins have just not been good on defense. Every non-rookie QB they've faced has thrown for multiple passing touchdowns. So, at 5,000, yeah, if Tyrod's playing, take him – take Cooks, who I said only play Cooks if Tyrod is playing last week. He was perfectly fine without him last week. He, so take Cooks, take Tyrod, package that deal, and you're in a great spot. I, again, we're, we're completely on the same wavelength yes. there. Moving on to running backs, I'll go ahead and tell you. Actually, Joe, why don't you start? Because I know your top tier has got to be more in mine. Yes, he is. That's a Austin Eckler at 7,900. Um, he has scored 22-plus in five of seven games this year he's topped 50 yards in every game except for the uh baltimore fiasco which i think is the only word for what the chargers look like in that game where they had to abandon the run because they were just getting crushed early and then outside of that bizarre week one game where he saw zero targets he's averaging seven targets a game in the six games since he's 33 receptions so again DraftKings is ppr so you want to be in on that heavily. And then you've got the Eagles defense, which is very good against wide receivers, which is why you want to target everyone except wide receivers against them. The, you know, they're going to come. They're going to bring the pressure with that front four, and that's going to lead to a lot of checkdowns. So give me some Austin Eckler this week. I think this so is Do you a like Keenan Allen more than Williams too this week, I, what you're saying? I do like Keenan Allen more than why would I? I think Mike Williams is going to have a bounce back week soon. I don't think it's this week. Right. I think he's probably the guy who's seeing a lot of slay. And yeah, the, and we the may Eagles, have overrated the Chargers because they beat the Chiefs, you know, week three. And I mean, that's not the win we thought it was. Yeah, 
That's a, that's a very good point. I think this is, this is, you know, a frisky chargers team, but I think they're an inconsistent one. And yeah, I mean, the Eagles are third in yards allowed to wide receivers. So I think that obviously is something you want to keep in mind where I definitely like Allen more than Mike Williams. I'm not sure I'd be going too heavily on him either though this week. Yep. I think this is a big Austin Eckler week and, uh, uh, you know, I'll spoil it now. Jared Cook is one of my tight ends who's been an, another wildly inconsistent guy like his team. But I think this is a week where he's got a good opportunity as well. Well, my hot tier, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Joe, I have sort of adapted my uh, just lineups week to week where my two running backs are, I try to keep them under 6,000. And if I want to throw one like Eckler in the flex, I think that's, you know, perfectly fine. But I've just had more success doing that, leaving more money for receivers, tight ends, et cetera, quarterbacks. And that's why you'll see with my picks this week. I will say that Cordell Patterson did not make my picks, but with that New Orleans defense, what they're good at, the fact that Ridley's out again, I would not be surprised if Patterson has seven to 10 receptions. And he's been so good. I actually think he's underpriced at 6,200, but he's not my guy. It's your guy, Devontae Booker. 5,900. He's done a really good job filling in for Barkley for the Giants. He's averaging 16.2 points per game in his four starts. Big thing, seeing an average of 14 and a half carries per game and then another four targets on top of that. So you're getting a guy at 5,900 that you know is going to probably get 18 to 20 targets. He's turning those four targets into three and a half receptions per game. He looked particularly good last week uh, against the Chiefs catching the ball. And the Raiders have given up eight touchdowns to backs on the year, a touchdown in six of seven games. They're giving up 112 yards per game over their last five and giving up north of four receptions a game to opposing backs during that period. I think Booker scores. I think he has a great chance to do 100 all-purpose yards. And I think he's a great lower-priced top back to have in your lineup this week. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely one of the ways to attack that Raiders defense. And yeah, considering it seems like everyone else around him just keeps getting hurt um, or getting COVID now because Saquon was potentially coming back. But yeah, Shepard's already doubtful. I mean, it's uh, Gallagher, yeah, I, I think, think he's going to be there. I just I think it's going to be, be a the lot Tony of Tony and Booker show on a Sunday for my job. And he wants some revenge. Don't forget, Booker went to. The Raiders, and I, th- I think he really does want to come back and hurt them. I'll go ahead and get my mid-tier while we're here. Yeah, go for it. Boston Scott, 5,200 versus the Chargers. Scott surprised many, myself included. Screw you, Kenneth Gainwell and the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> when he was the first man up for the injured Miles Sanders last week, he looked great. He rushed 12 times for 60 yards and a score. Uh, normally, I would be nervous about a back that is not the featured guy, because without a doubt, Scott, Howard, and even Gainwell, they're probably all going to see looks. However, they're facing the Chargers. We've talked about it over and over again. They're awful. In seven games, the Chargers are giving up an average of 147 yards per game, over a touchdown per game, and almost four receptions per game on top of that. Much like how it's a no-brainer to start a wide receiver versus Washington, a tight end versus Houston, you should always try to find a running back to play against the Chargers. To your point with the Eagles' defense, I didn't even think about that fact. That makes me even more confident that this is going to be a game that I think both teams are going to try to run the ball a lot. Uh, Obviously, we know Hurts is not going to probably have too many big plays. 
And I do think Boston Scott is the play, but if you like Jordan Howard, I also think that's a fine play as well. But Boston Scott, 5,200 is my mid-tier play. Yeah, I really like that Boston Scott one. He was he was almost my low tier because you are you're, you are going cheaper at running back than I am. But yeah, I I definitely like that Boston Scott play. Uh, my mid tier, I mean, this should surprise no one who listens to us. It is Eli Mitchell. We're sticking with him till he fails us, or at least until they raise his price over six thousand. Because I don't see any reason to stay away at fifty eight hundred. Um. Again, four games he's played where Jimmy G has been the starting quarterback, and which is to say when his QB is not running like 16 times. Those four games, 17 to 19 carries in all four games, three times he's gone over 100 yards. Three of those games he scored a touchdown. And this last week, 18 for 137, a touchdown. And Jimmy G ran in two. That's not going to happen a lot. Nope. Do not expect Jimmy G to be a consistent touchdown vulture for Eli Mitchell, which means if he continues to be this productive, we're going to see more than one touchdown pretty soon. And while this Cardinals defense is sixth against running backs on DraftKings, it's probably important to keep in mind that they're 29th in yards per carry allowed. So, and four times you've had opposing teams run for at least 100 yards against them. So, I think this, I don't think this is a bad Think about the game plan, right, Joe? I mean, you're going to have to keep the ball out of collar to win that game. Which I think is going to be the general idea of every San Francisco game as well. Like, I don't (laughs) think the Cardinals are a bad run defense, but I don't think this is the sixth best run defense and that it's one you need to run away from. Don't forget, the Packers, without any of their receivers, had both Aaron Jones – and um, what's the backup? I'm sorry. No, I'm just blanking on AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon. Both have really good games yes, uh, the week did. before. Uh, the, and I'll admit the one downside to Eli Mitchell is he has not been involved in the past game so far. He only has four receptions on the year. If that happens to ever change, he can be a top 10 running back mm-hmm. as is. You know, if you're in weekly, he's a strong running back to play pretty much every week. And as long as he's below 6,000 on DraftKings, I think he should be in a lot of lineups every week. I'm with you. We talk about it every week. Shanahan running backs go all the way back to his dad. It's it's pretty guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, my low tier, and again, if you want to go Michael Carter, I don't hate that. Yeah. Uh, but Ty Johnson is only 4,400 at Indy. And in the seven quarters that the great white hope has started at quarterback for the New York Jets, he has nine receptions in those seven quarters on 11 targets for 117 yards and a touchdown. The Colts have given up 3.9 receptions per game to running backs. Johnson has also seen at least four carries in his last three games, including three red zone carries. So it's not impossible that he might get a rushing touchdown in there. And the Colts are a good run defense, but again, they do struggle a little bit with pass catching backs And White to Johnson has just been a very effective combo, so I expect that to continue, particularly in a game that I think the Colts are going to get right against the Jets. I think White's going to come back to earth a little bit. No offense, Jets fans. They're going to be down. The more they're down, the more they're throwing, the more Johnson will see the field. And again, when you're getting 11 targets in seven quarters, it's basically a third down and change of pace back. That's the kind of guys I love to go at running back. That's sort of the James White type dude. So I really do like Ty Johnson, 4,400 as a low-tier play. 
Yeah, I think that, you know those Jets guys are actually underrated. Which Carter's is really not good. Not something you say about a lot of things going on with the Jets. Um, <laughs> yeah, my low tier is the same price as your mid tier, I believe, which is fifty three hundred. Zach Moss against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Moss, five of six games he's played, he's hit double digits. He's actually been pretty involved in the passing game. His last game he played, he had six receptions. But I think this Jaguars game, this is just a game where you're going to see, you know, a lot the Bills like the are Miami light... game earlier in the year, right? Where yeah, they won the, the... 35 nothing, and they both Yeah, the Bills bunch. are going to light him up early, and then the second half you're going to see a lot of running. And the Jags have given up multiple touchdowns on the ground to running backs in three games this year. And yes, one of those games was against Derrick Henry. Maybe you don't want to count that one. It also happened against the Cardinals, though. Which, And then the Houston Texans ran for 120 yards and two touchdowns week one against them. That's right. So if, if the Texans can do it, anyone can do it. So I like Zach Moss. The Obviously, the only fear there is Josh Allen is a touchdown vulture. So I'm not, you know, I don't feel as strongly about this as I do like Eli Mitchell. I would definitely say find the $500 to uh, put him in your lineup before you go Zach Moss. But I think this is a good chance for Zach Moss to give you 15 plus points because, you know, it's the Jaguars. It's not one more real quick bonus one because you're talking about a cheap guy. I love Mark Ingram at 4,600 versus my Falcons. Ingram has owned the Falcons for his career. Now that he's back with the saints, I have a feeling the saints are going to try to run the ball a lot. Obviously I know with Taysom Hill, there's some concern, but at 4,600, I would not be surprised at all. If Mark Ingram scores a touchdown, as we talk about over and over again, at that price, you get 10 to 15 points, sign you up. Uh, Moving on to the wide receivers where again, last week we were just on fire. Um, I'm going all the way down to Deontay Johnson at 6,700 as my top tier play versus Chicago. And our boy, he's just quietly became really one of the more consistent wide receivers in fantasy. He scored 14.6 or more in every game this season, which that's really unheard of. I mean, even the top guys like Cooper Cup have had a game where they have like 10, 11 points. So to have 14.6 or more, he's seen 13 targets in three of his last four games. That is going to be the norm with Schuster on IR. Uh, and we discussed last week how bad Chicago has been against opposing wide receivers as of late. Just as a reminder, the duo of Evans and Godwin and Samuel and Ayuk had a combined 24 receptions for 402 yards and four scores the last two weeks. Uh, I do like Claypool as well this week. But I expect Johnson to just have such a huge target share again that there's not the risk that there is with Claypool. Uh, I think Johnson's floor is 14, 15 points, and I would be not shocked at all if he goes for 20 or more. Yeah, I'm not surprisingly if people, especially if people have listened to us since last year. Yeah. I'm also all in on Deontay Johnson. When he plays, right? This is one of our original guys. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's the only thing. We, uh, last year, drops were the other issue. That That's hasn't fair. really come up this season, which is great news for us. Well, they know that um, if Big Ben can't get too many accurate throws, so he better catch them. Yeah, uh, you know, that Big Ben <laughs> seems to be holding back a lot of, you know, the rest of the offense. But Deontay has been just fine. Um, 
10 plus targets in all but one game this year, which again, if you were paying attention to Deontay last year, that's not been abnormal. This is every week going back to last year. If he's healthy, plays the whole game, he's getting 10 plus targets. Um, you know, uh, let me think. Yeah. Let, PFF as the NFL leader in target rate per route run. So no one per route run, no one is being targeted more often than Deontay Johnson. Um, and yeah, the bears have been giving it up to wide receivers I don't know what on DraftKings. Um, like you just said, we've seen a couple of teams really go off against I mean, them. Freaking the corpse of Sanu last week had like four catches for 60. I didn't know that dude was still in the league. Honestly, I kind of forgot he was too. I remember I was reading about that game yesterday and I was like, wait, Mohamed Sanu? Yeah. So yeah, this is a team that's given up over 200 yards to receivers four times this year. They've also given up multiple passing t- receiving touchdowns four times this year to receivers, including, yeah, four to the Bucks. which I'll grant you, I do not think Ben Roethlisberger has it in him to throw for four touchdowns the way Tom Brady does. But we only need one. Uh, when you throw in the, like, nine receptions for 110 yards he's going to have. You don't even need the touchdown. If he gets eight receptions for 100 yards, you're going to get 25 points, and at 6,700, you're going to be smiling all the way to the bank. Right. Touchdown's just a the bonus. Target, the target share is extreme, and the Bears have shown they are happy to give up points so to wide receivers we agree on the second receiver as well correct we do indeed it's hollywood marquise brown i think he's probably my favorite play this way uh this week 6100 versus minnesota he's been rolling if you take away the seven uh point game that he had versus the chargers which again remember baltimore just beat they the were, crap yeah uh, out of the chargers so they ran game. it down their throat in his other three games in the last four, he's averaging 25 points per game, has 18 receptions on 29 targets, so he's getting a good target uh, share, for 296 yards and four scores. He scored a touchdown in five of seven games this year. He has the 13th best matchup per PFF versus Minnesota secondary, and Minnesota is coming off a game against, again, a journeyman quarterback making his first career start where Lamb and Cooper combined for 14 receptions, 234 yards, and a score. He's the best value, I think, at any position this week. And much like Goblin last week, I just would be shocked if he doesn't score at least 15 points. And he has the potential to have another big game. If he goes up for 19 or more points, it'll already be the sixth time this year he's done that. Hollywood Marquise Brown. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, the dream of what Marquise Brown would become is happening right now, I think, more or less, unless you just had insane expectations. Um, I know I drafted him last week, or not last week, last year. I was going to say, that long. was impressive. Yeah, <laughs> really late start. Um, yeah, last year, I remember I drafted him in a couple season-long leagues because I was like, he's the number one option in this offense. He's going to come through, and it didn't really happen. This year, yeah, 80 yards per game. He's catching a touchdown almost every week. You know, I, we'll see what if Bateman takes anything away from him as time goes on. I think there's a chance that this just becomes a much better passing offense yep, and I everyone's agree. able to eat. Ravens may be tough. I, you know, outside of the Bills, they're easily the team I trust the most in the AFC. Which Imagine if they had lot, one of their but, top two running backs. Yeah, right. Imagine if they didn't have a bunch of 35-year-olds <laughs> running back. 
Um, when you look at like, again, big thing to always look at is air yards. Cause that means you're getting the big money throws down the field. Uh, last four weeks, the only person with a higher air yard share on their team is Tyler Lockett. Marquise Brown is second. Deontay Johnson, who we just mentioned is third. Um, Brown is the top in the top five for total air yards on the year and in the last four weeks. So the trend has not changed with, Shocking how much of a step Lamar has made. He's such a better passer than he was the first few years. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they realized they needed to update some of their schemes and update the players around him, which actually hasn't really happened up to, you know, the improvement in players because Bateman's only played like the last two weeks and Sammy Watkins has been hurt for and like, Wallace hasn't seen the field really. So yeah, I, I think this offense is going to just get scarier as the season goes on. Um, I think, yeah, if you wanted to go all the way down to Bateman also, he's only like 4,000 or 4,200 this week. Like, yeah, like I said, I love Lamar this week. He's my top QB play. I think, like you said, Deontay's my high scoring guy. I would favor him overall, but when you consider the $700 difference, Marquise might be my favorite play at wide receiver this week. And again, the Vikings just gave up. 325 yards and two touchdowns receivers. And yes, the Cowboys have very good wide receivers, but they also had Cooper Rush throwing yeah. the ball. His first start. Uh, the car- His first the- freaking start. And again, the most similar team, at least when you think about what they're putting out at quarterback and the way that the, that guy challenges the defense, is the Cardinals. Again, better passing team, I'll admit it. But that team put up 277 yards and three touchdowns on this Vikings defense. You know, if you really look at the Vikings this year, their pass defense numbers look pretty good, but they played the three weeks prior to last week. They played the Browns, who just looked like a mass passing the ball all season. The Lions and the Panthers. Thanks. So they gave up one touchdown, one or two touchdowns, only one to receivers. I think it was two to quarterbacks over those three weeks but those are three of the worst passing offenses that's why you have so, to look deeper yeah exactly look deeper this team has looked not great against talented passing offenses i'm all in on lamar pair him with marquise pair him with rashad bateman do whatever you want just put these guys in your in your lineup so my low tier and again this is a guy that i, I love uh hunter renfro 4800 versus the giants yeah, this is a very good pick Before the rug stuff came out, he was already in my lineups and I was full blown ready to go because he's just been so consistent. And now he's going to get a huge boost in targets. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. Like he's going to become without a doubt the blanket. I think you might see Waller also finally get maybe a boost because he's been disappointing this year, but I mean, this is what it's all about, 4,800. He's already averaging over seven targets per game and has at least five receptions of six and seven. Now, he scored in double figures in six of seven as well. The only issue has been touchdowns. But when you have a guy at this price and you know he's going to get double figures, like that's huge. And, and Renfro is just really a touchdown away from having basically a 20-point performance every week. And if you get 20 points from 4,800, that's great news. And to your point, he has the 22nd best matchup per PFF. I'm not comparing him to to Tyreek Hill and some of these other guys like Cooper Cup who have just destroyed 
this giant secondary, but they did a lot of their damage from the slot, which obviously Hunter Renfro is going to be at. And I just think that this is much like my low tier flex play, a guy that his floor is so high. And I love that when you have guys that are 5,000 or cheaper and you know, you're probably gonna get 10 points from them at worst. Yeah. And like I said, with this, this Giants defense, you know, granted there was more of a, like, let's lay back, play too high last week because it was the chiefs. Mm-hmm. But that's generally been our strategy most of the season is we're keeping everything in front of us and we just don't have the ability to rush the passer. <laughs> and so if you're keeping everything in front of you, Hunter Renfro is going to eat. Like he lives off that, obviously. That's the play. I mean, Tyree killed. They were using him a lot in the slot last week. Uh, he got like nothing deep, but he ended up with a big game anyway because he had so, I think he had like 15, 18, something crazy number of targets last week. <laughs> Obviously, like you said, Renfro is not going to turn into Tyree Kill, but he doesn't have to. Like double figure six or seven games, you can ask but, for much more. For a guy they're, yeah, they're price. they're it. Like you said, there's no one with a higher floor that you're going to find under five thousand um, dollars. I and I would say that regardless of position, probably. Yep. Um, my low tier. You mentioned this guy earlier, or at least you tried to. It was a uh, Van Jefferson <laughs> at four thousand against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, like I said, key thing for the for me here is you know a he's been productive last two weeks he's broken ten points he's seen thirteen targets over the last two weeks, um, and Deshaun Jackson the main threat to him snap wise is gone like it, Van Jefferson is the and very Woods clear. is questionable. Yeah, if Robert Woods doesn't play, then Van Jefferson should be in every lineup because at that point yeah it's him or the guy who cost nine thousand four hundred dollars. So literally, Cooper Cup is more than double Van Jefferson's price. So if he's the number two, yeah, like I said, every single lineup you do, he should be in. If he's still the number three, I still like it. Because, again, this is an offense that runs a lot of three wide. He is now the very clear number three. Granted, he was already the clear number three, but now even more of those snaps are going to him. And uh, Tennessee's dead last in uh, points allowed to wide receivers. And per football outsiders, they are dead last in in yards allowed to non-top two wide receivers. So doesn't matter that he's the number three. This is a great chance for Van Jefferson to go off. Again, he's had three double, four double-digit games this year. He's had a 20-point game already. So I think you're headed for one of those games again. And he's only 4,000. Granted, that is the Sunday night game. So if you're not playing the Sunday night game. You can't use him. In that case, going real low, um, Tajay Sharp is now going to be taking those Calvin Ridley snaps. In the two games he's played without Calvin Ridley, he scored an average of 10.1 for the Falcons, and he didn't score a touchdown in either of those games. So he's giving you the yardage reception floor that you want. If he catches a touchdown, he could be headed for a 20. He'll be in the slot too, right, which we talked about. New Orleans is really bad against slot receivers. So, yeah, I would take a look at him at 4,200. Or, again, Rashad Bateman, 4,000. I like him as well. But if you're playing that Sunday night game, I love a Matthew Stafford-Van Jefferson combo because Jefferson really offsets the amount that you're paying for Stafford. I mean, if you can get a Cooper Cup, great. But, no, it's too much. I, mean, 9, I think that's too much. You'd have to have almost a perfect lineup from there uh, when you're right. spending 17000 on your – quarterback and whereas if yeah if you throw jefferson in with stafford that's under six thousand per the two of them 
So that leaves you a lot of options with the rest of your lineup. All right. So moving on to tight end, kind of like last week, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this guy's going to be in every lineup. It did not work for me with Pitts. But again, if I would have known that Ridley was going to be out and if I would have known that uh, Gilmore was going to play his first game, I probably would have, you know, not had that take. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff this week because Mike Gusecki is 4,900 versus Houston. Since week two, he's scored at least 7.8 points in every game. He's seen at least four targets in every game. He's averaging just under seven targets per game for the season. It's actually closer to nine since week three. Uh, he's feasted against defenses in the bottom third fantasy-wise for tight ends. In games versus Atlanta, Jacksonville, and Las Vegas, he's averaged 20.7 points per game, catching 27 passes for 286 yards and a score. And guess what? Houston's worse than all three of those defenses versus tight ends. They're giving up an average of five receptions, 62 yards, and almost a touchdown per game. Only the Ravens have given up more touchdowns to opposing tight ends. Granted, we saw last week with the return of Parker, he's not probably going to get the 12, 15 targets a game, but he's going to continue to be a big part of this offense, and especially in a matchup like this, 4,900 is too cheap to the point where if you really like one of these other tight ends, which I, I really like, we'll get into a second, I don't hate playing Gusecki as your flex. Uh, I think he's a slam dunk this week. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I texted you before we started the pod that uh, we originally had, obviously we, we stuck with having two of the same wide receivers. And we originally had two of the same tight ends. And so I switched it up a little just to give people more variety. But uh, yeah, Mike Gusecki was one of those guys because he's the number one option in this offense. It's a good matchup. I, I would be perfectly happy pairing him with my top tight end, which is Dallas Goddard at 4,500. You put both of them in your lineup, that's only 9,400. I think they're both going to be productive, and it leaves you with a ton of options to fill out the rest of your lineup. Like, hey, if you're in that Sunday night game, maybe the two of them help you get Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dallas Goddard, he's gone over 70 yards, or 70 exactly two weeks ago, but it hit 70 or more consecutive weeks. That has only happened once before in his career. That was last season. When Zach Hurts was out. <laughs> yeah, Zach Ertz was out. Zach Ertz is not out anymore. He's just gone. So Goddard is the tight end there. Uh, like I said, nine receptions, 142 yards combined over the last two weeks. He's given you 12 and 13 points, and that was without scoring a touchdown in either of those games. So again, without Ertz, he is now a high floor guy, and the ceiling uh, is pretty high when you're facing the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are... 30th against tight ends on DraftKings. They've get, against tight ends. They've given up 20 points earlier this year to Travis Kelsey. They gave up 18 to Mark Andrews, and they gave up a whopping 30.9 points to David Njoku. <laughs> um, that was maybe something we wouldn't have been surprised about when Joku was drafted, because I think there were some high expectations for him. Uh, if you pay any attention to fantasy football or regular football, you know he has been a pretty much a disappointment for most of his career. So when he went for 30, that should have been eye-opening. Again, this Chargers defense is good against wide receivers. Do not. This is not the week to bet on the Devonta Smith breakout game. They're bad against tight ends, though. So, you know, give me this guy, Dallas Goddard. Again, I think he's the number one option now without Zach Ertz in this oh, offense. for sure. 
I completely co-sign that. So, yeah. Um, Again, and the Chargers, only four teams are giving up more yards to tight ends. So, again, Gusecki, Goddard, I don't even think you need to decide between the two. Throw them both in your lineup. Have a cheap flex that I think they're both going to give you double-digit points, and there's a good chance they could give you 15, 20 points each. So, my mid-tier is Dan Arnold, 3,400 versus Buffalo. I'm going to tell you, this is not a great matchup. The Bills are one of the toughest matchups, first tight ends in the league. But, I mean, tight end has been a shit show lately, in case people have not noticed. If you would have looked at the top 10 scoring tight ends from last week, it would blow your mind. Nobody scored more than 15 points either. And that's kind of been the way it's been. Because it wasn't tight end week. It needs to be tight end week. That's fair. But, I mean, really, if you think about it, (laughs) Kelsey's having a down year. Waller's having a down year. I mean, Cal Pitts has been really one of the top tight ends, and he's a rookie. Uh, Gasecki's not even, as you said, lining up at tight end, and he's one of the top tight ends. So what you're doing here is you're getting a guy at a really cheap cost who's averaging north of seven targets a game since being traded to Jacksonville. This is a game that, as you mentioned, the Bills are going to roll. So I wouldn't be surprised if Arnold gets 10-plus targets. And at 3,400, if you're just looking for somebody really cheap, um, I actually do kind of like Arnold even against Buffalo. Yeah, the reason I didn't go with Arnold was because, as you mentioned, the, you know it's kind of a tough matchup. But when you look at that price point, I don't think there's, there's not a tight end that's more involved in the, the offense than Dan Arnold has been since he's moved to Jacksonville. And we haven't seen Jacksonville down a ton in a game since he's been there. So this could be the week that, I mean, seriously, you get 10 to 12 targets. Yeah. So I I do like that one. So going on kind of in the opposite direction for my mid tier is Jared cook at 3,300. This is not a guy who's seen really consistent work in that offense. His target share is only 13.5%. But we have seen him be productive in some games. He put up 11 against Washington, 19 against Las Vegas, 12 and a half against Baltimore. So we've seen him get involved. And one of the things all those defenses have in common is they haven't been great against tight ends. So he is really a matchup dependent guy. And that's the beautiful thing about the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I mentioned earlier about Austin, why one of the reasons I love Austin Eckler The Eagles give up the third fewest yardage to wide receivers. They also rush the passer extremely well. So not the week to pick Mike Williams, probably not the week to pick Keenan Allen. Great week to pick up Jared Cook. The Eagles give up seven receptions a game to tight ends. That is dead last in the NFL. They've given up six or more receptions to tight ends in four straight games. Three of those games, they gave up touchdowns. The only exception was last week. And that's just because the Lions suck. But Hawkinson still put up 18.9 points because he had 10 receptions. So Jared Cook, normally a very low floor guy. I think his floor is relatively high this week. If you can get that 10-plus points, and I think you're going to get it this week, at that price point, you got to love it. That's that's, that's great stuff there. Uh, Tyler Conklin, 3,000. At Baltimore is my low tier. I mentioned it above. The Ravens have given up the most touchdowns to tight ends in the NFL. Conklin has scored double figures in back-to-back games despite not scoring a touchdown. I think he scores this week versus Baltimore and makes it three straight weeks with 10 points. Because, again, Baltimore, I think there's one game this season 
They have not given up a touchdown to a tight end. Uh, you know, Uzmaha for Cincinnati, who he's had, I think, one other big game. But you got to remember, yeah. he had a huge game against Baltimore. Everybody was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> uh, Conklin has actually become – uh, you know, behind Jefferson and Thielen, without a doubt, the third option. We saw Osborne early in the season be that, and now it's Conklin. And at just again, at 3,000, you're getting a guy that has scored double figures back to back games against the worst defense in the NFL for fantasy purposes, uh, versus tight ends. So, you know, pair them again with Gasecki or whoever you want to. Yeah, um, I am co signing the Tyler Conklin one. I actually. As much as, you know, we just talked up Jared Cook, um, just talked up Dan Arnold, I think I would just take Conklin over both of them mm-hmm. at 3000 I actually, regardless of the price, I think I like him a little bit more. And, yeah, at 3000 is kind of crazy low. Um, I will remind people, we have a pretty good history with our low-tier tight end. Our top-tier tight end were a shit show, honestly. <laughs> but that's the season, right? That's what we were talking last, about. The tight ends have been a shit show. I mean, last year, you had the double Trey Burton thing, which I still don't <laughs> understand. Um, my last two picks have been Uzoma, who, like you mentioned, went completely off, and Dan Arnold, who broke 10 points last week. What was the guy from Jacksonville that I had, too, that had two? Yeah. Uh, uh, Eifert? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, like, one, the t- like the one you – game in the last three years that he's been good yeah so we've been shockingly good at this and i don't even think this one was that hard which maybe i'm just over talking it now i'm gonna jinx the whole thing <laughs> nah we but, don't believe in that like like you said conklin's been over 10 points the last two games he's played he's seen at least four targets in all but one game and in that game he saw three so he's at least seeing the ball every week and yeah, like you said, this Cousins Ravens, loves to throw tight ends. He always has. Yeah, I mean, early early in the year, last year, early in the year, I cautioned. You know, maybe the we're going to overrate what the Ravens' defense is against tight ends because they opened up with Waller, and then uh, Kelsey, and then Hawkinson was week three. Like they placed pretty good tight ends, but none of them but have looked as good as they did that week. <laughs> but it hasn't really stopped. Like you said, there, there's been two weeks where they've prevented a tight end touchdown there's been two weeks where they've held tight ends under 50 yards that's again tight end is not a strong position for the most part in fantasy football it's been a shit show so the ravens are about as good a bet as anyone to help out your tight ends and again three thousand for yeah for i was shocked when i saw this price i thought he'd be up there you know and that like freer move 3800 area i don't know why in the world you'd ever pick evan ingram at 3800 it's, the, it's it's like Tyra Taylor. It's oh, just disrespect. All right, speed round for flex. Uh, Jamar Chase, 7,600 versus Cleveland. He had another bad game for Chase last week. He scored 13.1 points, tying for his lowest score on the season. But he scored for the third time in four games. I know this is going to sound kind of crazy, but Chase has alternated big games on odd weeks of the season. And then just okay games – on uh even literally 13 points thank you 13 points something every every even two four six and eight he scored 13 points in that range 13.1 to 13.8 he's averaging nearly 30 points in the even weeks (laughs) or the odd weeks or excuse me odd weeks which is what we're on that's not why i'm picking him but it does speak to his talent that he's not going to have two mediocre games in a row 
He's also only playing his fourth home game. In the first three, he has 17 receptions for 337 yards and two touchdowns. Chase's targets are up as well. In his first four games, he saw 25 targets. Over the last four, he's seen 35. Uh, and then in the last four weeks, the Browns have struggled versus number one receivers, giving up 22 receptions for 365 yards and four scores. However, if you really look at it, the two games that they played against good offenses with a stud number one receiver and a good quarterback in the Cardinals and Chargers, Hopkins and Williams combined for 11 catches for 220 yards and four touchdowns. Murray and Herbert combined for eight touchdowns. The Browns defense can be passed on. I expect Burrow and Chase to have a huge day and chase again at 7,600. He's inching up to where it's like, I don't know, but at 7,600, especially on an odd week, sign me up. Uh, Nick Chubb, mid-tier 6,700 versus Cincy. And his first game back after a two-week absent without Hunt, it was not great. He had 16 carries, 67 yards, but that's against one of the best run defenses in the NFL in Pittsburgh. The Bengals have had their struggle with opposing quarterback, or excuse me, running backs the last four weeks. Aaron Jones turned 14 touches into 104 yards. DeAndre Swift had 14 touches for 67 yards and a score. The Ravens backfield in a game that got out of hand had 11 touches for 83 yards and a score. And then last week, and this is what we need to think about, the Jets duo torched the defense with 33 touches for 258 yards and two scores. As someone who consistently drafts Chubb in fantasy leagues, I've been waiting on him to be the primary ball carrier in Cleveland for forever and not have to worry about Hunt. And with Hunt out, you're going to see this dude is a beast this week. Johnson only saw four rush attempts last week to Chubb 16, so he's not going to get Hunt-type numbers. And I just think Chubb ends up with a huge game against an easier matchup uh, than Pittsburgh last week. And then the low tier, Jamison Crowder, 5,000 in Indy. Corey Davis is doubtful again. Uh, he's one of my favorite plays this week because of it. He saw nine targets last week, turned it into eight receptions, 84 yards, just like Hunter Renfro. But actually, I think he's got a higher ceiling uh, because of I, I don't see the Jets beating Indy. I see them being down and forced to throw. And Crowder is absolutely going to be the number one guy targeted uh, by the Jets. And if White plays great, that's even better. But even if he doesn't, at 5,000, you're going to get a guy that I'm telling you, he's going to get 8 to 12 targets at a minimum. If you get six catches for 70 yards, you're getting 13 points at 5,000. And again, I just I love cheap plays where they're going to lead the team in targets and has such a low floor, and Crowder qualifies for that at 5,000. Yeah, um, we, we did not have an NFL uh, recap pod this week because the Atlanta Braves won the World Series Series yesterday. Congratulations, Keith. Um, Alan was uh, getting too drunk to have a podcast yesterday <laughs> because of that. And so I did not get to mention on the pod that Mike White's average time to throw was under two seconds. Ooh. So maybe it is going to be full circle. What I said, you know, the Jets knocked out Bledsoe, <laughs> the Brady era began. Maybe the Patriots knocked out Zach Wilson and the White era begins. So keeping that in mind, that means he's getting the ball out real quick. And that is great news for Jamison Crowder. So I do like that one a lot. Um, getting over to the defenses, I'm actually surprised by how many defenses I, I like this week. It's tough. Um, if Sam Darnold is out, then I do like the, the highest defense this week, which is thankfully not like 5,000 like it was last week, which is insane. <laughs> you should never pay that for a defense. 
Um, but the Patriots 4100 is perfectly reasonable at that price. But if, Dar- if Darnold plays, which I know it's Sam Darnold, you shouldn't be afraid of playing a defense against him. But I'd rather just save the 100 if it's him and get the Bills against the Jags. Um, the Bills are tied for the most turnovers forced this year. Trevor Lawrence um, has been pretty turnover prone, as pretty much all the non-Mac Jones rookies have been. So I would feel good about that at 4,000. Uh, going down to the mid-tier, I mean, hey, if you're if you are all in on Mike White, like the uh, Jets fan who put a thousand dollars on him to lead last week in passing yards and won one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars off of that, yeah. If you're like that guy, you want to be all in on Mike White. Great. Um, I'm not going to do that. I like the Colts defense at thirty-three hundred a lot against the Jets. Yeah, it's a road game, which is going to be a little bit different for Mike White than last week. And the team that's tied with the Bills for most turnovers forced is the Indianapolis Colts. Colts have a good D. They've played a really tough schedule. And they're a little bit of a bend, don't break, but that's fine by me because, again, yardage does not matter in DraftKings. That is the Thursday game, so I'll give another mid-tier besides them, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers at 3,000. Again, no one, one. no one is taking more sacks than Justin Fields. I love this point. And uh, – any week that TJ Watt is out there for the Steelers, they're going to get sacks. So feel free to run with that one. Um, going down, honestly, don't hate the Bears against the Steelers either. Mm-hmm. Of course, now I'm realizing that's the Monday night game. So <laughs> if you're looking at that mid-tier, I hope you're playing the uh, Sunday, the Thursday and the Thursday through Monday games. But going all the way down, though, for my lower tiers, which I kind of legitimately like them, the uh, Chiefs, Aaron Rodgers is out. They're 2,300. I know this isn't a great defense, but they're getting a guy making his first start ever. And, you know, opinions vary on Jordan Love. I can't say I was a big Jordan Love believer. I would have never made that draft pick, even if I didn't have Aaron Rodgers as my QB. So I like Steve Spagnola scheming things up. Um, hopefully they keep Daniel Sorensen off the field because he's kind of the giant weak link in that defense. Chiefs are good and against also, the run too, so they're not going to pound it. And the other one I like is the Cleveland Browns at 2,500 against Cincinnati. Again, yardage does not matter at all. So I'm not worried if Jamar Chase gets 200 yards again like he did two weeks ago. That's fine. This is a defense that has Miles Garrett. He is going to cause some real problems for that offensive line. And then as well as Joe Burrow is playing this season, he has thrown picks in six of his last seven games. So I would expect you're going to get a turnover. You're going to get some sacks. You're going to get positive points down there at 2,500. And honestly, most of the time, it's a great play to just find a cheap defense that's going to give you seven or eight points and use that some money somewhere else. So I would, be, shit show. I would be thinking about putting the Chiefs and the Browns in a lot of my lineups this week. Uh, real quick, too, just want to give the bonus of the Saints versus the Falcons. Falcons, very bad offensive line. No Calvin Ridley. Uh, it's why I'm telling you, I'm talking myself into Cordell Patterson more and more. Taja Sharps, another guy, but they're going to struggle against that Saints defense. I'm telling you, yeah. they're going to really struggle. Um, so we've reached into this podcast. We did have more Thursday plays. 
uh, than we normally do, but the podcast is out. So you got plenty of time to listen to it. So you're welcome, everybody. We got it out <laughs> on a Wednesday. Uh, do want to remind everyone real quickly, the IB Sports Podcast Network is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe, uh, share the podcast, uh, and if you don't mind, rate and review if it's iTunes. But for Keith Fleming and Joe the Brain Matts, this is week nine of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast. I just hope our picks are as good as they were last week because everybody should win some money. Take care, everybody. <laughs>